Good morning. Please come in. My name is Tom Myers. I am Director of International Education and Associate Academic Dean. As you know, for 40, 42 years now, we've had an international education program known as SST. We have been in Africa, Asia, Latin America, and Europe. For many of those years, we talked about having a domestic alternative to the international programs. Well, I'm delighted to say that this year, that idea has finally come to fruition. We will, this summer, this coming summer, have the first domestic Latino studies semester here in northern Indiana, focusing on the Latino communities here in northern Indiana. Last summer, a new faculty member came on board. Ana Juarez is the faculty leader of the program. She has been doing great work developing what I think is going to be an excellent program. Ana is going to introduce our speaker for today. Well, like Tom said, my name is Ana Juarez and now uh, Lopez. And it is a pleasure to be here and to be part of this great institution. I started my work here this summer. And if you ever are interested about learning more about the Latino Study Service Term, my office is located in the Center for Intercultural Teaching and Learning. And um, like Tom said, I'm introducing the speaker. First, I would like to share with you that a little bit about the, the program. Um, you know, while Latinos, we have a lot of things in common, uh, there's, they are also a very diverse population. We represent numerous countries, such as Mexico, Puerto Rico, Peru, Nicaragua, just to, say, just to name some. And some differences also include language nuances, immigration, generation, and socioeconomic status. Therefore, in Latino SST, we will be learning about the diversity that exists among Latinos, including Latinos who settle in the urban areas and Latinos who settle in a rural environment. We will also study issues related to these subgroups. And therefore, um, the representative from the Farm Labor Organizing Committee who is with us today will be one of our partners for the section on the experience of Latino, immigrant, and migrant workers. And this convocation will give you a glimpse of one of the potential Latino issues that we will be exploring through the domestic SST program. And our speaker today, uh, I'm gonna give a little bit of background about him. Uh, Mr. Barger, Dr. Barger, he joined the army and served in Vietnam during the war and he eventually turned against the war. This experience changed who he was and, developed, and he developed a strong commitment to justice. After he came back, he joined Vietnam veterans against the war and was active in the peace movement. He received a PhD in anthropology from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill when he began uh, teaching at the Indiana University in Indianapolis. He looked for opportunities to become involved in community issues and it was then that he became involved with Flock. In 2004, he took early retirement and he joined Flock as a full-time volunteer. 
and most of his work involves building social change networks and popular education about the flock costs and immigrant rights. Uh, flock is both a social movement and labor union, and their constituency is migrant workers in the agricultural industry, but they're also involved with other immigrant workers, Latinos, and issues in their local communities and national and international coalitions concerned with social justice. I will let uh, Dr. Barger share with you more about the organization and also uh, just before uh, I step down, I would like to invite you all to uh, join a reception with the speaker and CITL, all the students, the faculty, everybody here is welcome to come. There will be some refreshments and you can talk more with, with the speaker. Thank you very much. Hi, thank you very much for inviting me to be here. Um, I've had long conversations with uh, Ana Juarez uh, before I came, and I was really, really excited to, to be here and hopefully share a bunch of things and explore ways that you know, we can continue working together in the cause of justice. Um, and also the Center for uh, International Teaching, uh, is that right? International Te Intercultural, sorry, Teaching and Learning. Uh, you know, who's uh, one of the main sponsors for this event, and I appreciate the opportunity, so thank you very much. Um, uh, as Anna mentioned, uh, you know, I'm an anthropologist by training, but uh, have been involved in social justice issues forever. So uh, what I'd like to do is, uh, you know, since we're short time here, uh, show you a video clip of Baldemar Velasquez, the guy who founded uh, Flock which is, uh, again, a social movement not unlike the United Farm Workers in California, which some of you may know, but for the eastern U.S. Um, and uh, Baltimore Velasquez uh, was raised as a farm worker. He um, saw the injustice, experienced the injustices that were directed to him and his family, and he, at one point he says, this is just got something, got to do something about this. Uh, Baltimore is a very dynamic person, has a vision of a true leader, um, that really fascinates me a great deal. Uh, and Bonnevar, by the way, uh, went to Bluffton College, a Mennonite college in Ohio. Um, that, uh, so he had, and his wife, by the way, is also Mennonite. Um, and so he has very strong connections with, uh, with the Mennonite heritage. Okay, so if I, we could start out, I'd like to show the uh, video clip. This is uh, Bonnevar a few months ago. Um, was uh, giving a presentation at the um, AFL-CIO uh, National Convention, and uh, one of the resolutions that was introduced, uh, that he introduced to the um, to the body of the labor body of the United States, uh, was on immigrant rights, and particularly, uh, you know, the uh, uh, a, a path for people uh, who are here without uh, immigrant status or residency status to uh, get status, to get legally recognized. And you'll see in the clip that he voices, there have been a lot of unjust laws. I was raised in the South, so you know, I saw a lot of the Jim Crow laws there. And that, because it's a law, doesn't make it a good law, right? So uh, it puts people in a position then of, of it violating the law when, it's, when these unjust laws come along. So he addresses this point in terms of immigrant rights. So could we see the clip, please? 
Hoskins, President of the Farm Labor Organization Committee, Central Labor Council, Toledo, Ohio, Ohio Executive Board Member of the uh, Ohio AFL-CIO, Brothers and sisters, I want to speak specifically to the legalization aspect of this resolution. The first, which has been spoken about already now, is the issue of compliance. We have, if we are in a nation of laws, we have to give people a way in which they can comply with the law. And I got to remind you that crossing the border without papers is a misdemeanor. It is not a felony. It's like you running a red light or running a stop sign, okay? But you got the ability to make that right. America, this is a law that, that gets broken that we have no way to make it right. We have to have a way for workers to comply and get everybody in compliance, including employers. Remember, for every undocumented worker in this country, there's an undocumented employer taking advantage of those people. <laughs> Secondly, I want to address the attacks that we're going to get as a labor movement from these talking heads on radio and TV. They're gonna say, there's those labor guys again. They're, all they're doing is doing this amnesty. I say to them, so what? Amnesty is an American tradition and an American principle that's embedded in our institutions in this country. See, they don't call it amnesty, they give it another name. Like in our system of jurisprudence, right? They call it plea bargaining, right? You cop to a higher crime and you get forgiven for that, you get an amnesty for that, cop to a lesser crime. You know, it goes all the way to the president of the United States. They don't call it amnesty there. They call them presidential pardons, right? These guys break the law, they get forgiven. Okay, so they got uh, something that they didn't deserve, right? Going with one of the most famous ones is Scooter Libby. Remember that guy? And remember his buddy in the White House who deferred his prison sentence? He got amnesty. I'd like to see him on Lou Dobbs and ask him what he thinks about amnesty. The third is what has been spoken here, and that's the issue of moral imperative. My brother and sister, with all respect to the religions of the world, my Judeo-Christian heritage tells me the following. In the Old Testament, Ezekiel 22, or not Ezekiel, uh, Exodus 22 warns us not to mistreat or oppress the alien. The book of Numbers chapter 15, verse 15 says that we shall govern the alien with the same laws as we govern ourselves. So let's get right with God, because if you don't, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 22, 29 and 30 warns that he's going to be really ticked off if we do these things to these aliens. <laughs> Finally, in the New Testament, those of us who call ourselves Christians, we are recipients of the greatest amnesty in the world. Didn't Jesus come and take all our sins, everything we ever done wrong, all the laws we ever broke, took them to the cross and say you're forgiven? And who are we to deny them to anybody else? And finally, my brothers and sisters, let us be like the founders of the great unions in this hall. They were all immigrants. Many of them came here without papers. So they start organizing the people and now immigrants are joining unions at the greatest rate of any segment of the population. I'd say, let's be like the founders of your unions who came to this country and organized unions. They didn't say, they didn't say what country you are from. They only said, which side are you on? I'm going to be on your side. Okay. Well, as you can tell, Bonamar is a very dynamic person. Uh, he, his vision just has fascinated me for 30-something years. And he uh, has very deep convictions. Uh, he's a man of very deep faith as well. So um, 
I'd like now to, uh, to run through real quickly kind of the, the story and background of Flock. Uh, Farm Labor Organizing Committee's official name, uh, FLOC, Flock for short, is a uh, uh, labor union for migrant worker. Is this going to work? Okay, here, okay. Uh, but so why is there even an organization like Flock? And the idea is, you know, when we go uh, have breakfast, lunch, dinner, go to the grocery store, whatever like that, we are automatically connected with migrant uh, farm workers. Um, and, you know, when we, um, you know, because we eat the products that they work on in the fields, um, you know, under really adverse conditions. Uh, some of the things that, uh, you know, they have the most deprived conditions of any group in, in the United, any working group in the United States. Um, so while they're trying to provide us food, they themselves are suffering in the process of getting the food to us. Um, and like say we buy a tomato, let's say for a dollar or whatever like that, they get less than 1% of the price. The other people, you know, you know the corporations and so forth, uh, of course, get, get the profits. Uh, these poor conditions in the fields include, you know, hot, uh, stoop labor in hot fields, um, substandard wages, you know, just all sorts of conditions. And why are they doing this? You know, there are people with very few resources and they're out, you know, they're committed to supporting families, very strong family bonds. And so everybody's out trying to survive. Um, the child labor is also uh, an, an important issue. And uh, in the laws for child labor, for instance, are there, but they're reduced for farm workers. And even then, they're not enforced, of course. Uh, housing is just really lousy. This is actually uh, pictures of uh, migrant housing here in Indiana down near Kokomo. Um, and, you know, living, the whole family has to live in these little one-room uh, wooden shacks where there's no privacy for anybody. Um, exposure to pesticides, uh, malnutrition, other kind of things uh, are also very, very uh, critical among migrant farm workers. Uh, this is a picture of a guy who was exposed to farm workers and uh, went into a coma. Um, and there, there, um, there are laws against these things, but you know, said their standards reduced and, and uh, they're not enforced. Um, it, the biggest probably disadvantage of uh, farm workers is they have no voice in what's happening to them. Everybody else makes decisions for them, but unlike us, you know, we we have a lot of options that we can make decisions about, but they have nothing. Um, and in this case, for instance, you can see there's a uh, grove that's been sprayed with pesticides, warning, and the only option farm workers have is take it or leave it. Either go into these uh, poor conditions and dangerous conditions or don't support their families. Um, and the underlying causes of this have to do with the structure of the agricultural system. Um, as I mentioned, everybody's making decisions for them. At the top are these agricultural corporations. Um, they're concerned with the bottom line profits. Um, and then they tell the growers what to do, and the growers tell the farm workers what to do. Um, so the system allows no voice uh, at the bottom of the thing, uh, bottom of the line there. Um, so uh, when we think about these problems, what are the solutions? Uh, well, there are, are some possible solutions. Let me mention a couple of them. Uh, one is for these agricultural uh, corporations who have the resources, they have the money to, pay, to hire wages, they have the uh, power to say, okay, no, we can't uh, have farm workers working in fields sprayed by pesticides and things like that. They could pass, uh, you know, guarantee these benefits for farm workers. But history shows that this just doesn't happen. 
Um, and so, uh, and even if it was to happen, if they were to say something, you know, it's still unilateral. They, and they can give something today, they can take it away tomorrow. Um, another one is, you know, kind of taking the legal uh, approach to it. Uh, farm workers are written out of most of the major labor laws in the United States. Um, it's like, you know, every, all workers in the United States have these rights, those rights, except farm workers. Um, they're just written flat out. Um, because these laws were written during the uh, early days of the Depression, and uh, Southern senators and congressmen uh, made sure, because that time many of the uh, people in farm labor were African Americans, <clears throat> so they made sure they had no rights. Um, and even where there are laws like pesticides, child labor, things like that, uh, the standards are reduced uh, to what you and I would be uh, standards that we would be uh, applied to us. Um, and even then, most of them are just not enforced, as I mentioned. There are also a lot of social services that are delivered to farm workers. This is uh, like migrant health services, um, some other kind of programs. But the thing is that, you know, while I have no problem with my tax money being used to help somebody uh, who's malnourished, uh, you know, uh, get health care, uh, whatever, um, it doesn't address the underlying causes. And so, you know, why, you know, like in our jobs, um, you know, we get health care as part of our benefits. Um, and so why shouldn't farm workers have the same rights as everybody else? Um, <coughs> so the, and uh, sorry, what that amounts to then is, as I mentioned up here, is taxpayer subsidy. Us taxpayers are subsidizing the corporations um, and their profits uh, so that, you, you know, while our public services uh, Sorry, what our tax money provides services that should be part of the job situation. So um, when we look at these various uh, solutions, only one of them has really worked historically, and that's the farm labor movement. Um, the United Farm Workers in California and Flock here in the East. Um, and um, the Flock movement, to give, um, give you a real brief background, uh, was founded in 1967 by Baltimore Velasquez, who we just saw. This is Baltimore in his younger days. Um, and uh, in uh, organizing farm workers themselves, um, you know, they stood up and said, no, you know, we are not going to take this anymore. Uh, so they voted to go on strike. The first target was the Campbell Soup Field Operations in Ohio and Michigan. And um, then uh, yeah, after, uh, it just took eight years, many uh, unsuccessful attempts to have a dialogue. Finally, uh, Campbell's... Um, agreed to, to talk and set up uh, you know, new worker conditions. Uh, so I'll come back to that in a second. The uh, farm worker leaders, you know, to, uh, talk with the farm workers, and you know, these are people that are disenfranchised, marginalized, and have no voice, and yet when they come together and say, enough's enough, we, you know, we gotta do something about this, then things happen. One of the most powerful uh, uh, methods, I guess, in using uh, to address Campbell Soup because why should they care about farm workers, um, was a boycott. And the, the interesting thing about this is um, it is when millions of people out there in the public get together to um, say enough's enough, you know, then they have to listen. And so, you know, uh, many people like you and I uh, just voted with our feet by not buying uh, Campbell's products at that time. And uh, so, you know, our millions of efforts uh, when a million of us stand together then uh, with farm workers, then we can counterbalance that tremendous power that these corporations have and reach greater justice for the workers themselves. 
uh, the people at the bottom of the line. Um, I, I want to show this picture because uh, one of the most moving mem uh, moments in the flock uh, movement to me was when there was a march uh, to, to Campbell Soup headquarters in Camden, New Jersey, and before when there was a rally in Philadelphia and before going across over to Camden, um, when we got to Camden, there was a mass held for the farm workers and about uh, 17 priests and, um, you know, washed the feet of the farm workers themselves. Um, and I, to me, that was very moving. The support of uh, religious groups has probably been the most powerful force because they bring the moral issue to front. And, you know, you know the values that we say we all believe in and support, but we don't do that. Um, I'm sorry, society doesn't do that. So when we raise the moral issue and say, no, this is the standard, um, this is what we believe in, this is how we, it has to be done, then people, it's hard to say no to those, that kind of force. Um, so some of the uh, results of the Campbell Soup Strike was to, in labor history, was to change the whole structure of the agricultural industry uh, for flock farm workers. That is before where it was all hierarchical, people at the top telling people down the line what to do. Now they're, um, everybody's on an equal footing. So the farm worker's voice is equal to anybody else. And growers too, for that matter, because they had no say so before. Um, so everybody sits down and says, you know, okay, this is what we want, this is essential, this is what I'll give up. Uh, but the thing is, even for those things they don't get, it's the farm worker's decision. I will give this up to make sure that I get that. So it's still, they have the direct voice in what's going on. Um, so the whole, whole structure has changed that guarantees, um, you know, whereas the former structure guaranteed injustice, now the structures guarantee greater justice for the, the workers at the bottom. After Campbell Soup, Heinz, Green Bay, and other companies came in, um, and so here in the Midwest, um, through uh, you know, the crops that the, uh, most of the farm workers work in, is um, you know, that system has been established. Uh, it continued in the South in 1999. Uh, you know, the same kind of thing happened with uh, Mount Olive Pickle Company. Um, issues, the bottom line, the same. Workers don't have a voice in what happens to them. Um, after five years uh, uh, boycott in, in North Carolina against the Mount Olive Company, again, um, the settlement came out and um, people sat down as equals, bargained, and said, okay, this is what we're going to have. Um, now, historically, this is also important because it included um, H-2A guest workers coming up from Mexico to, to work in the fields of North Carolina and surrounding states. And, um, and so now there's a trans, uh, the first transnational labor agreement that includes um, these workers from Mexico. And so what are the impacts of the flock movement? What, what actually has come out of this? Uh, for one, uh, the most important thing is now farm workers have a direct voice in what happens to them. In the fields and in the labor camps, you know, they, something's wrong, they have a voice right there immediately on the site. Um, another place they have the voice is at the flock conventions. Um, that is for the institution at large of flock. Uh, this is a picture of a uh, flock convention. We actually had a convention in uh, 1st of October, and I wished... Uh, Wish we'd have had this conversation more because you would all have been invited to that. Um, and it was just, to me, just fascinating to see farm workers that, that I had met out in the fields standing up on the podium leading the discussion of workers about um, particularly resolutions, things like that. These are the guidelines. The workers set the guidelines for, for what the um, uh, flock is going to work on over till the next convention. 
and they were raising issues like, you know, some kind of standards in the fields and the camps and so forth. They were also raising issues on immigrant rights um, and so forth. And so this sets the agenda for Flock um, over the, the next years. So they have a direct voice in what Flock is doing as well as conditions right on the spot in the fields. Um, the, there's also a procedure, formal procedure, but, you know, called grievance procedure, when, when they encounter problems. But the thing is, you know, what's been interesting to me is first few years grievance was used, but now very rarely does it get to formal level. Things are just resolved right on the spot, um, you know, because every, all parties have kind of got into the spirit of things and are trying to work out problems uh, for in, in cooperation. Um, the, uh, so right now the farm workers are getting, the flock workers are getting higher wages, improving working conditions, living conditions. Oh, I want to go back to that one, see if I can get it. Um, migrant house, remember the little shack I showed you earlier? This is uh, a camp in Ohio where, you know, they have toilet facilities and separate bedrooms for the parents and the kids and a little kitchen area and showers, things like that, that are, you know, that you and I feel comfortable in. Um, we also opened up an office in Mexico to work with the uh, H-2A workers down there, and we have, uh, you know, this has been a, uh, the abuse in the uh, guest worker recruitment system is phenomenal. Um, you know, uh, recruiters say, okay, for 500 bucks, I'll put you on a list to get a job so you don't have to go up uh, illegally to support your family, um, so forth. Um, and we have a lot of activities in Mexico. Uh, we'll be, I go back and forth to Mexico on some of these things. We headed out in about a month to have another one of these sessions in Mexico. Um, even the growers have benefited from this arrangement because before they had no voice up, that is, they had a voice down. But um, they're finding now that um, you know, cooperation is working to their benefit as well. So um, now the flunk struggle hadn't finished. It's, it's an ongoing thing as any movement is. Uh, we now have a campaign against Reynolds Tobacco um, to bring in tobacco workers in the South um, involved in this. And the conditions of tobacco workers are as bad or as worse of what we might see around here in the Midwest. Um, but the bottom line is still the same. You know, the workers have no voice in what happens directly to them. So um, uh, the... What I'm going to do is uh, show you where you can get more information on Flock. If you go to the Flock website, which is this, um, you'll see you know a little bit of introduction. There's uh, up here at the top it would be about you know the history of Flock, uh, so you can get more background on the things we're talking about right now. News is kind of you know different events we've happened and so forth. Uh, notice there's a whole section here on immigrant rights um, that I really encourage you to take a look at because um, you know we're treating. Uh, you, I'm sure there's a town right north of here that's renowned by immigrants themselves in Indiana as being one of the most hateful places to live and work uh, in the United States. So this is right in our own back door um, and so on. And then if you kind of look at some of these kind of current things going on, this uh, winter newsletter, you just see kind of things we've been doing this last uh, few months. Uh, more materials about the uh, Reynolds tobacco campaign. I mentioned the conditions in Mexico. Uh, one of our staff members was assassinated in our office in Mexico uh, for, you know, as a result of our efforts to clean up the corruption and the bribery and extortion and stuff going on in the recruitment system. Uh, they were trying to send us a message. But our message back is no, um, this is very horrible because, you know, for those of us who knew Santiago, 
um, you know, were devastated by his assassination. He was tortured and killed in our offices down there. And, um, you know, that was probably the worst thing we've ever had to face. Um, but the thing is that it's deep in our resolve for justice. Um, another um, thing is immigrant rights. There's some more stuff here. And then uh, supporters, because, of course, we would like every one of you to be a supporter, too. So what can you do? Um, and then some other things interesting. Uh, we have what we call the flock shop. I encourage you to go take a look at this, because there's some songs. Bonomar is a very talented musician as well. And like one song he wrote was uh, called Urbano's Song, and you can get the link to that, and um, it's online. And uh, it's a song about a worker who in um, North Carolina in tobacco fields was left, um, he was feeling sick, and he was left to die in, in uh, the edge of the field, and you know, um, they didn't even know he was gone. They didn't pay any attention at all, the supervisors. So uh, came back you know, three weeks later, and, found his body and stuff. Okay, so um, one last thing that I'd like to mention, if this comes, great, okay, um, is, you know, why, what is our investment? Here I am, I'm an Anglo, I'm not Latino, I'm not a farm worker, you know, I have a decent life, things like that. What's the benefits to me and to you uh, for every time Flock succeeds in gaining more rights uh, and voice for the farm workers? And I own a site here, of a speech that Baltimore Velasquez gave at a particular rally, he calls some of the farm worker kids up and he says, look, this kid could be a doctor and discover a cure for cancer. This kid could grow up and be a, a teacher and develop the love of learning in, in uh, our children. And he went down the line, those kind of examples. And I was sitting there thinking, yeah, what if I get cancer? And, you know, this kid has not reached their potentials and there's no cure for me. What if my kid goes to school and has a lousy teacher and, you know, and the love of learning is killed? you know, not enhance and develop. So we all have an investment. And this is, of course, the basic idea of diversity in general. When anybody fulfills their potentials, it benefits us all. And, you know, that's kind of the bottom line for, for Flock. So um, I'd like to encourage you to go online and, and, uh, and, uh, and learn more about this. Okay, how much time do we have left? Five minutes? Four minutes. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so what I'd like to ask, I, I asked Anna to give me a little background on some of y'all, and she said, like, how many people here in social work? Okay, nursing? She said nursing's a big thing. Um, education? Yeah, and what are some of the other majors you have here, people here? Yeah, ma'am? So, you were going to mention? Arts? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Any anthropologists out there? All right. Um, the thing is that, you know, I say, uh, you know, my background is uh, in anthropology, uh, but I was a teacher for many years. So uh, all of us have a connection in things that way we can do. First of all, you know, we can vote with our feet uh, when there's an action or something like that. We can add our voice. And when we get up to that critical mass, there's so many voices out there. These powers that be can't say no. Uh, so we all have, we can lend our voice to the cause. Um, and I'd like to ask, uh, you know, if you're interested afterwards, I have a sign-up sheet for the flock uh, um, to be put on the flock news list if you'd like to sign that. Um, and also, um, the, um, if you're interested in, you know, like uh, one thing I'm particularly interested in here is exploring with you all um, service learning kinds of opportunities for the flock, pretty much anything that you're doing, education, for instance, we have education programs 
um, for farm workers on pesticide protection or what are your working rights or things like that. Uh, nursing, you know, we have a summer clinic uh, that goes out to the labor camps. Uh, so pretty much anything that you're interested in. Right now there's a group of business students from Indiana University of Bloomington down in North Carolina uh, working with, um, with us down there in developing some materials uh, to educate the public on what these issues are. And also immigrant rights. So pretty much anything that you, you're interested in, we're interested in. And I hope that some of you, if you're, you know, after this, there's going to be the reception that Anna mentioned. And I would really love to have the opportunity to talk with you and brainstorm some of these kinds of ideas. How much? Okay, again, thank you very, very much for allowing me the opportunity to come up and visit with y'all. Uh, I've heard that Antioch for many years and love it. So, 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 so.